0: Hi, my name's Taylor Chapman, and I want to welcome you to today's broadcast. Let's actually jump right on in there, and let's see what God has in store for you with today's message. God lets you determine the criteria for your faith. I already told you. See, I already had those looks of like, what did he just say? I didn't say for your salvation. God lets you determine the, the criteria for your faith. Let me help you understand that. You have to be careful the place you tell God to meet you at. Okay, uh, I'm going to show you this in the Bible, then you're going to have that. Oh, I, I totally get what he's saying. God lets you determine the criteria of your faith. Let's look in your outline. There is a, uh, a woman that has an issue of blood, and let's read in Matthew 9, 21 what happens.
1: For she said to herself, if I only touch his garment, I will be made well.
0: Did Jesus set those parameters for her to be made well? Oh, all right. She set the parameter for her healing to come to her. So in other words, God allowed her to determine what happened to her. All right, let's keep going. Let's look at uh, John chapter 20, verse 25.
1: But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never
0: believe. Jesus did not set those parameters. But yet Jesus knew what he was saying, heard what he was saying in his spirit, and went over to him and showed him his nail prints. Be careful the criteria you set. Upon God. Let's look at this third one in Mark. No. Matthew.
1: And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on on the water. I'm sorry. Uh, He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus.
0: Did Jesus set the parameters for him coming to walk on the water? He simply asked and Jesus said, okie dokie. The woman with the issue of blood did not ask Jesus For How do you want me to receive from you? She got herself to a place where she said, I'll do whatever it takes to get into the presence of God, to be touched by God. And and God allowed her criteria to set. And the Bible says that virtue and power flowed from him the moment that she touched the hem of his garment. The the woman set her parameters on what God would do in her life. John set his parameters. Peter set his parameters. Jesus allows you to set the, the parameters parameters or the criteria for your faith so when you speak you know what you speak you have authority and the words that you say with authority will come back to you and you set the parameters of what boundaries you create in your own life for what God wants to do inside of you you say things like things just don't seem to go my way you just set the parameter for God in your life Oh, you took that to a different place. Okay. You have to be careful what you say to assure you don't limit the parameters you set upon God in your life, but rather you are to enlarge your territory. Okay, okay. My God shall supply all of my needs. Everywhere I go, I go with the favor of the Lord upon my life. Everything my hand touches turns blessed because I set the parameters for what God's going to do in my life. So therefore, I'm not going to limit God by what I say. Okay, the parameters I set are the parameters of where I can be met. As we watch Jesus operate on the earth through the Bible, uh, the people in the Bible did not know it at the time, but but looking back now, we see... That Jesus operated in the original intent of why man was created. For three and a half years, we saw a living example of what was made available to us as citizens of the kingdom of God. The way Jesus operated in the New Testament was the way it was supposed to look like from the beginning of whenever man was established upon this earth. We see a man named Jesus who is fully endorsed and backed by heaven, and we see what that life looks like because that is the life that's been made available to you and I. We learned two Sundays ago, Adam, the first man in the Bible, you know who that is, was crowned with glory. He sinned when he ate the fruit and lost that glory. Glory means weight. He was with God. He lost the weight of God's presence whenever he sinned. Jesus came to restore the glory that was on man, which was lost by sin with Adam, When we look at the life of Jesus, Jesus showed us that we could walk in a different way of life. There was a glory or there is a glory that would be revealed for those who are born again as a citizen of the kingdom of God. Jesus had been teaching his disciples for quite some time, how to walk in greater levels of glory. He would teach them a different, a, a new way of glory, and then he would allow them to progress in that skill and in, and, 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 and in that understanding. And in Mark 4, we have a, a great example. There are waves crashing into the boat. The Bible says the water was covering over the boat, and Jesus is taking a nap. The disciples are scared out of their mind. They go down and get him, and Jesus showed them a new level of glory. Let's look at your notes and read chapter 4 of Mark 39.
1: And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm.
0: A new level of the kingdom was revealed, that man had dominion over the wind and the waves. This was a new glory that no one had ever seen before. Are you following me? After he showed the disciples a new glory that, he, that they could operate in as well, two chapters later in Mark 6, another storm happens. Let's read about Mark 6, 48.
1: And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them and the wind ceased and they were utterly astounded.
0: Let this story be an encouragement to you. The disciples saw a measure of the glory of God revealed in Mark chapter four. Jesus showed them that they could walk in the same level of glory, and two chapters later, they still haven't figured it out. There are things that you're going through, that you've been going through for quite some time, and Jesus is showing you, hey, I'm with you, I'm going to get you through this. You get through it, and then a year later, you find yourself in the same position. Well, you're in good company, because the disciples didn't figure it out either the first time. But the more you do it, the more you get skillful at it, the more access that you have to what God's called you to do, the more level of glories that God will reveal to you. You say, why do I have to keep repeating this one right now? Because you haven't figured out all the fullness of what that one has for you. Okay. Jesus sent his disciples knowing a storm was coming but he wanted to learn and see did they did they learn themselves that they can walk in this new level of glory every trial you go through is an opportunity to gain weight in the glory of your life I'm gonna say it again because I don't think that one sunk because you're thinking I got trials I don't want trials Every trial you go through is an opportunity to gain the weight of the glory of God in your life. There you go, okay. The amazing thing is, as we become skilled, there is more glory that is revealed to us. John chapter 11, this is a great example of what happens. We won't read the entire chapter, but we're going to look at bits and pieces. Jesus and Lazarus are good friends. You've ever, you all heard the story of Jesus and Lazarus. We all know it? Okay, Um, Jesus and Lazarus are friends. Mary and Martha come to Jesus and tell him, your friend whom you love is sick. And Jesus says in John chapter 11, verse four.
1: This sickness is not to end in death, but on the contrary, it is to honor God and to reveal His
0: glory. Jesus hangs around two more days in the town that he's at. He didn't even go see his best friend who, according to Mary and Martha, are dying. This is an amazing thing to understand. Jesus shows up late, and now Lazarus is dead. Now everyone is bothered because in verse 21, go on, it reads and says,
1: Martha then said to Jesus, Master, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And even now I know that whatever you ask from God, he will grant it to you.
0: Remember what we talked about last week. Honor, if you receive properly, or you, if you perceive properly, you will receive properly. If you perceive properly, you will receive properly. Uh, Jesus said that he is not dead. He is just asleep. He calls for the tomb doors to be moved and calls on this corpse to come out of the crypt. Lazarus comes walking out and look at what Jesus said in verse 40
1: this is good. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God?
0: Up until this point, the people had seen Jesus do all sorts of things. They saw healings and miracles. They saw food multiplications. The the list goes on and on. But there was a new level of glory that needed to be revealed. A new measure of glory from the kingdom of heaven to earth to manifest itself. It was at this point Jesus told a corpse to rise and walk. A new level of glory had just been revealed, a glory the people had never seen before. The glory of healing had been seen hundreds and hundreds and thousands of times, but a new level of glory from raising the dead back to life had never yet been seen. And Jesus said, if I go to him now, if I go to him when Mary and Martha ask me to go to him, they will not see a new measure of my glory. They're gonna see the same glory they've seen time and time again, and nothing will change on the inside of them. For I've got to allow something to take place for a new measure of my glory to be revealed to them. Sometimes God will allow things to deteriorate on purpose because he's not about you. It's about a new level of glory being revealed to you. A new level of glory has to come into our lives. To all the people who were mad about Lazarus dying, all they could do is see it from their perspective. The problem was not Lazarus dying, the so-called problem was an opportunity that God wanted to reveal a new level of who he was. The kingdom came to earth and God revealed for your benefit and mine, a new level of glory. As citizens of the kingdom of God, if we have access to everything that's been made available to us, There's a new level of glory. (laughs) I'm not even going to say it because I think you guys will flip out on me. Just how the disciples did not learn in the boat, it is up to you to walk in the greater measure of glory. Jesus showed the disciples, you can speak to the wind and the waves. Now it's up to them if they chose to do it because two chapters later, they're they're sitting in in, in the water and the same thing's happening and they chose not to use the new level of glory so the new level of glory never operated in them. So it's up to you if you want to walk in the same new level of glory. What did we say a while ago? What page is I on? God lets you determine the criteria for your faith. God could have allowed the boat to sink, but he showed them by example what to do when they were in the storm. Two chapters later, he says, I'm going to give them another opportunity, but I'm not going to be there. I, want to, I don't want to be a tripping block because if I'm in the boat with them, oh, if I'm in the boat with them, they're going to rely upon me as the solution. So I'm going to step out of the boat. I'm not going to be anywhere near the problem and I'm going to see what they're made out of. There are things in your life that you're going through that you keep saying, Jesus, if you'll just show up. And Jesus said, I stepped out of the boat to let you begin to operate in your authority. Now operate in what I've allowed you to operate in. There is levels of glory that is destined for us. Let's look in your outline in 2 Corinthians chapter 4.
1: For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison.
0: So we know that there is an eternal weight of glory that's going to come, but just a few verses earlier, let's look at 2 Corinthians 3.
1: And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to glory.
0: We can go from glory to glory. So how do you go or grow from glory to glory? You have to become skillful in the arenas that God has put you in. If you want to be a soul winner, you can't sit here and tell me, I want to win souls, but don't go out and start using your faith to start winning souls. You don't want to be a soul winner if you're not opening your mouth and making something happen. I want to go pray for people and God to use me to heal sick. Then why aren't you laying your hands on everybody who walks by you? There was a four-year-old child that walked next to me yesterday, and what I told Adrian, I said, I had to get my hands on him. I don't know what's going to happen, but I went over to him. I began to rub him the back of his head saying, Holy Spirit begin to work in his life. Now his parents are complete atheists. Watch what God's going to start doing in their life because we're going to see a healing like you've never seen before. But what happens is we've got to step out in faith because we've set the criteria for God in our lives at such a low level. He can't do what he's called to do and wanted you to do. I'm going to start preaching to myself. The disciples saw what Jesus did, and Jesus gave them the opportunity to try it out, and they did not do what they were supposed to, but he came in to intervene anyway. God will keep coming back to you, so don't think you're all on your own. That's encouragement. Okay, we're past encouraging. Now we'll get to real. When you examine your own life, do you see the glory of God operating in your life? Do you see God moving in different avenues in your life? Uh, In Ezekiel chapter 47 in the Old Testament, there's five levels of anointing that Ezekiel talks about. This would be a great study for you all to do on your own time. We'll probably hit it next year at some point. But we're going to interchange the level of anointing and glory here because it can be in the text. Um, I want to give you five quick levels of anointing to look out for whenever you're determining if God is moving in your life. The answers will be on the screen in front of you. Number one, the first blank, five levels of anointing, according to Ezekiel 47, is watching. Write down that word, watching. This is where most Christians are. They see the anointing on someone else. They see the glory on someone else. They gave their life to Jesus and read their Bible every so often, but they don't seem to want more of God. Giving their life to Jesus was enough. Number two, ankle deep. This is coming straight out of the text of Ezekiel 47. This is, this is what we call church attendance. You show up here, you're a part of the service. Um, let's be real, there's no anointing on your life. There are some convictions You know you need to be in a relationship with God. You know you need to to allow your relationship to grow. But your spiritual growth happens just by your attendance on a Sunday morning. That's the limitation of your spiritual growth, what you pick up at church. Number three, knee deep. You see where we're going here? This would be likened to those who daily pursue God in their personal time. You are following God and you spend time with him. You're hungry for God to move in your life, but truly you lack the confidence of God moving in your life and whenever he speaks to you, you want to go do it, but you fall short of doing it. I really want to go pray and share my faith with this person, but God, I just, if you'll just open up an opportunity and that opportunity opens up and you don't take advantage of it. You're knee deep. Number four, You're waist deep. This would be people who are fully pursuing God. They they belong in the church. They're a part of the church. They're stepping out in faith. They're encouraging people. They're praying for people. There's an anointing on your life. You know the voice of God, and here is where you randomly step out. Out of 10 people that God tells you to pray for, you'll probably get to six of them. Number five, there's fully immersed. This would be the people who live in the Spirit. They're in tune with the Spirit's leading. They're, they're going where the Holy Spirit tells them to go, they're doing what the Holy Spirit tells them to do. There's a confidence, there's a boldness. Ten out of ten times, they're going to be praying for whoever God leads and puts in front of their path. So here's what I want you to do, looking at these five levels of anointing, you can categorize them this way, but you can look at them this other way. In your own spiritual life, where are you at? When you look at your spiritual life, am I ankle deep, am I knee deep, am I fully immersed? Look at. You can apply it to your marriage, is my marriage, am I just watching my marriage be good, or am I fully invested into my marriage? I can look at it however you want in my career, you can look at it however you want to look at it, and it's a great order of being able to look and say, have I gone fully in, or am I kind of only sitting ankle deep? Man, you know what? That that church is, is pushing me a little bit. That that one girl's up there crying during practice, and then she gets out here and cries again, and and, and I am told her, allow that to happen. Don't limit what God wants to do in your life, because whenever you, okay, whenever God starts moving upon your life, you do not try to hinder what God's trying to do. The moment you try to hinder what God's trying to do, you will not receive all that God has for you. So when you come into this place, and the guy up here standing here making a fool of out of himself crying and going on and on know that he's getting blessed because he walked in here ready to get blessed and if you don't want to that's fine but I'm not going to let you stay that way because I want there to be new levels of glory for you to come into you came in saying I'm under the watching level I'm going to come in and oh do Lord oh do Lord oh I'm going to sing my song but I'm telling you you've got to jump in and say God I want everything that you have for me I walk into this church service and saying God everything that you've made available to me I'm taken claim of today, and I will not walk out the way I came in. So therefore, the anointing that's present in the room, I'm tapping into it. I'm going as far as I can. I don't care what tries to stop me. I don't care what's going on next to me. Thank you, Richard. We're going to go and do what God has called us to do. Give the Lord a hand of praise. I am sick and tired. You've heard me say this three times. I'm sick and tired of Christians coming in here trying to be dignified and say, my God is right here. You just limited the measure of what God wants to do in your life and you can't blame anybody else but yourself. And I'm here to tell you and break that cycle in your life. God is so full of mercy, grace, and love. There is more for you than you can possibly ever ask, think, or imagine. And I promise you it's gonna happen here at this church. You set the parameters upon God upon your life by what you say, by what you do, by what you don't do, by what you act, how you act. There are certain areas of your life that, are, that you might come to and say they're fully immersed and then there's other areas that you are say, man, I'm only ankle deep. I'm not gonna be your judge and tell you where you're at but I can stand up here and I can watch where you're at. Because whenever someone's fully immersed, everyone knows how wet they are when they get out of that pool. When we speak the kingdom, the idea is understanding Adam in his sin lost what was made available to us. Jesus in his glory came and showed us how we could walk in what he lost. To look at what Adam lost, we look at Jesus to see what we gain. To see what Jesus gained shows us what Adam lost. I've been looking forward to these next seven minutes for the last four months. I have studied this and studied this, and I'm here to tell you you're about to be blown away by the goodness of God. You're going to get some revelation that I promise you, you're going to look back and say, Oh, wow. You're not even ready for it either. All right, I need y'all to lean in. The Bible says in Genesis, golly, Moses. Everyone just lift your hands real quick. There's a presence of God that just came in here. Holy Spirit, we yield to that leading right now we receive your word with boldness, that your word transforms us, that in this atmosphere, in this presence, our lives are made new because we've been in your presence. So now, Holy Spirit, we yield to the leading and to the guiding and to the teaching of your word that it penetrates our hearts to a place where we get the revelation of the word and what is revealed to us, we can walk in what is revealed to us we can walk in so therefore we want to walk in the full measure of what you have destined for us to walk in in Jesus name everyone said Amen. there's two verses or two trees in the in the old testament that we're going to specifically look at the bible says in genesis that there was a tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil the text of these two trees listed as in the midst this is important for you to understand In the midst means in the middle. So in the middle of the garden, there are these two specific trees. In the Old Testament, we read in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. Look in your outline.
1: And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters.
0: A few verses later, Genesis 2, 9.
1: The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil.
0: The Greek translation of both of these bolded words are interchangeable. Looking back in the Garden of Eden, there are trees all around. These trees are planted in the earth's soil. They are able to produce vegetation because of what they are rooted in. Whatever you are rooted in becomes what you produce. If you are rooted in darkness, you will produce darkness. If you are rooted in light, you will produce light. If you are rooted in something, you take on the characteristics of what it is that you are rooted in. Are you following me? So here are two trees that are in the midst that are hovering. (laughs) We said a while ago, they're in the midst, and then the Holy Spirit is hovering. These words in Greek are interchangeable. So you've always heard it as the two trees were in the middle of the garden. But the reality of it was the tree of life and the, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil are sitting hovering, not in the earth's atmosphere, not touching the soil of the earth. This is going to blow your mind here in a minute. I'm telling you, okay. Uh, are you following me? I kind of reiterated. Are you good? You, you know where we're at. Everyone, you know where we're at. I don't want to lose you on this because this is powerful. Th- these two trees, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge, are suspended in the air and their roots are not connected to the earth because their fruit comes from a supernatural source. God said, do not eat of that fruit. Why? It is a fruit connected to a supernatural darkness. The tree of knowledge has fruit and it is rooted in darkness. The tree of life had fruit and it was rooted in light. The moment Adam and Eve ate of the tree of knowledge, they brought sin upon themselves. The other trees were acceptable to eat from. So the soil that the trees were planted in on earth was good soil. So this is foreshadowing what Jesus said in the New Testament to plant your seed in good soil. But what happened was when Adam and Eve ate of one particular tree, its roots could not have been in the same soil as the other trees, Because there would have been sin on the earth. (laughs) Because the soil is what produces the fruit. What it is planted in is what allows there to be fruit. If the tree of knowledge would have been planted in the earth's soil, this would have caused there to be sin planted on earth. And it would not have been possible for the other trees not to have sin in them because they are all planted in the same soil. This is good! Oh. So when they ate of the tree of knowledge, God at that time, God had to remove Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden. People say, well, why is God so mean? No, listen, I need you to pay close attention. We have two trees. One is good, one is bad. These trees have no physical roots on the earth. One is rooted in, in light and the other one is darkness. Up until this point, sin was not present on the earth. Evil was confined to a tree known as the tree of knowledge. So God told Adam and Eve to eat of any other tree. Other than this one specific tree, here's why. The tree was connected to an evil source outside of the holiness of God. When Adam and Eve chose to eat that tree, instantly sin was brought into man, and since they came from dirt, sin is now rooted in the dirt of the earth's soil. Yeah, it is, Richard. Are you grabbing that? The moment they ate of the dirt, the dirt up until that time produced its own vegetation. When sin entered man and man was part of dirt, at that point now you have soil that's producing thorns and thickets. You have docile animals who are now running rampant because they ate of the fruit of the soil that now had sin inside of it. (laughs) So... Now God kicks Adam and Eve out out of the garden, not because he didn't love them, not because he didn't care for them anymore, but because if he wouldn't have, heaven would not have existed the way it is. You're me. You guys, you're good so far? We're we're good. I told you it's gonna be deep. If you're hanging in here, you guys are scholarly. Way to go. When they ate of the tree, they brought sin into their lives. The tree of life was connected to heaven, If they would have eaten of the tree of life while now being in the sinful nature, they would have brought their personal sin into the tree of life. This tree had its roots in heaven and if they would have ate from it, they would have brought all of sin into heaven. Juan, you getting this? You got serious on me, so I figure you're meted molding on that one. If God would have not kicked them out and they could have gotten to the tree of life to eat the fruit of life that, this, that the enemy would have said would have fixed you. The moment they would have eaten that tree, all of Satan or all of all of heaven would have had total damnation, and your eternity and mine would be in hell. There would be no escape. Sin would have been our master and tormentor for eternity. And Satan knew that. Satan, if you recall, wanted to be worshipped. That's why God kicked him out of heaven. He wanted all praise. So what do you think his end game is? To get all praise. So what does he do? Do you think that the the master of deception is only gonna tell them to eat of the one tree? Absolutely not. It was only a part of the plan that he was putting in place. I need to break you down of this one, so therefore, whenever you eat the tree, now I'm going to tell you, oh, you can make that right, and you can go eat the tree of life, and when you eat the tree of life, all that sin, all that shame, all that guilt that you've been feeling will lift you, knowing full and well, the moment they ate the tree of life, Satan would now be the one being worshipped. God took a man who was created in his own image whom he loved, whom he walked with in the cool of the day and removed him from his presence to save you from eternal damnation. That's how much your God loves you. To take the one that was created in his image saying, this is Adam, this is my first man, the one who I walk with in the cool of the day, I'm kicking him out because I know what's to come and I gotta save the rest of the world. That's love. Did you see how Adam set his own parameters. See how we tied that back in there? It was his actions that set the parameters that stopped God from moving on the earth. Everything Adam lost in the perfect world, Jesus came and paid the price for for that sin which is rooted in you. You can be saved. You can walk in hope, health, healing, joy, peace, patience, kind of all the fruits. You can walk in everything that God has for you. You can walk in assurance that Jesus paid the price for your sin and that sin is finished because the soil that you are now being born into is not the soil of sin but the soil of light being born in the kingdom of God. Once you were born again, the root of sin is removed from your life and you are now rooted in the kingdom and now you are no longer rooted in darkness but the light of Jesus shines bright on the inside of you. The kingdom of God came to earth through the Jesus Christ to redeem a world that was so far lost, that was so far gone so that all of heaven... If you were born again and gave your life to Jesus Christ, you could walk in the fullness of what Jesus walked in on the earth if you are born again. But you have limited God by what you've said because you're putting a criteria on God because of how you've been taught, how you've been trained, how you've thought, how you've seen things, how you can't explain certain things. So now you live with a limited perspective of who God is and now God is limited in your life because of the criteria that you set. And the problem with that is Jesus came and renewed the soil. So when you are born again, you walk in the fullness of all things that God created for you to walk in. Thank you for tuning in today. The most important decision you can make is making Jesus the Lord of your life. The Bible says that because we are born into sin, there needs to be a blood sacrifice to redeem us from the curse that that sin brought us into when we were all born. God wanted to give you the opportunity to live in eternity with him, so he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to be that blood sacrifice for you and I. You can choose to make Jesus the Lord of your life and choose heaven, or you can choose to make this sinful world we live in your standard of living and make hell the only option. If you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, we want to give you that opportunity right now. All you have to do is repeat these words after me. Say this, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a savior. I confess my sins, and I repent of those sins. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me a fully devoted disciple. If you just prayed that prayer, then you are saved. Congratulations on making that life-changing decision. Now is the next step. You need to start reading your Bible and get into a good Bible-believing church. You will find other people who've made the same decision that you just did, and you will help each other grow to become all that God has called you to be. If you just prayed that prayer, I want you to know that I am praying for you, that I am for you, But I need to know about it. If you would go to pathwaychurchok.com, that is pathwaychurchok, just the letters O and K, dot com, Send us a message and let us know you prayed that prayer, and we'll send you some free resources to help you start your journey with Christ that you just started today. Thank you again for tuning in. Congratulations once again. We'll see you next time right here.